Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning. Uh, physically, also online, we want to welcome you to New Hope Community Church. Uh, this weekend, we celebrate the 4th of July. We celebrate as a nation our freedom that we have. And today I have with me a special guest, Julia, from Ukraine. And Julia has been an interpreter for a lot of the area churches in Isani County who have sister churches in Ukraine. When New Hope merged with Elam Baptist in Isanti, Elam Baptist had a sister church, and so we took on that sister church as well. But Julia became a Christ follower when she started to interpret the good news of Jesus Christ for the teams that came over from Isani County. And right now, obviously, they're at war in Ukraine, and her husband is still there. But herself and her 12-year-old son, Matthew, uh, needed a break from that situation, and so they were invited to come over and stay with a variety of people here in Isani County. They'll be with us for a couple weeks here. But I invited her this morning to share with us the reality of what does it look like when your freedom is taken from you, when it is threatened. So Julia, welcome. So uh, you count days differently than we do. So what is today to you? Well, thank you, Pastor Bill. It's so great to be here for you is the 4th of July weekend, right? The 3rd of July today. For us Ukrainians, it's day number 130. That's how we count days in Ukraine. Because every morning we take our phone and we open an app that shows what day it is and everything that has been happening in Ukraine so far. Well, that's happened because on the 24th of February, our life uh, has been changed. And this line was drawn for us. Uh, life before the war and life after the beginning of the war, during the war. And we hope that after the war will come soon and I will uh, also use it like when we had a war but right now we're living during this very tough times for all the people in Ukraine yeah do you want to introduce your family there's a slide here Yes, Julia Pius, and I'm a full-time teacher at school, and that's Bogdan Pius, my uh, husband, and he's a translator. And we have been Christian translators for over 25 years with him. And that's our son, Matthew. He turned 12 just last week, and he's here with me. He's also my student, and I'm his teacher of English. <laughs> and uh, he's also a speech cuber. And by the way, in August, there'll be a speech cubing competition in Minnesota, and we found out about it just last week. And we were lucky to register for it. So now the dream of his life has come true. He will take part in the speech cubing competition here in Minnesota. Right. <laughs> so that's... Um, so that's, that's the great uh, part of the family that I have with me, though my heart is there in Ukraine with my husband. He is of drifting age, so he, he, uh, he could not come because he is under 60. And if you're older than 18 or younger than 60, you're not allowed to leave the country. So my husband is there praying for me, uh, helping me, just talking to me. I know he misses us very much. Hello, if you're watching me, I love you. And, uh, but his heart is uh, peaceful knowing that um, his son and me are safe and here in this wonderful country having this emotional retreat that we all need. 
So in reality, when war started in Ukraine, uh, many people fled. Roughly 7 million have fled to Europe, other parts of the world, wherever they could. Uh, Many of them, women and children, because the men are there staying. But if you're in Ukraine right now and you're under that 60 years of age, as a male at least, uh, you're serving in two roles. Either you're a volunteer where you're helping others, uh, whether it's refugees, soldiers, uh, survive, or you're on the front lines as a soldier. But as a volunteer, at any moment, uh, military can walk up, hand you a slip of paper, which then drafts you automatically to the front lines. And so today you're a volunteer, tomorrow you're on the front lines. That's reality for the men of Ukraine between the ages of 18 and 60. And so for your life, it's not, hey, we're going to get up and do whatever we want like we do in America and what we're going to do over this fourth weekend. For you, it's, okay, we get up and either we're fighting the enemy physically or we're taking care of those refugees who are coming through our area or we're feeding soldiers or whatever. Can you share some of that? Right. The first two weeks when the war started, we were so much overloaded with all this information and fear. And we were uh, under depression all the time because you wake up every morning and you check your telephone and you read all this news. And the enemy, the Russians at that time, were very close to Kiev. Now, Kiev is the capital of Ukraine, and it's just 100 miles from the place where we live. Now, I live in Cherkasy. This is the beautiful city on the river Dnipro, Right across this, the Dnipro goes the bridge that uh, sep- that uh, separates or uh, connects the eastern and western Ukraine. And being in the center of Ukraine, we are lucky. We are relatively lucky because we live in the relatively peaceful place. We have not been, got, we have not gotten lots of shelling and bombing, though a couple of times uh, last year, last month we had a couple of missiles that wanted uh, to that were launched at our bridge, but miraculously everything was fine and air defense worked well. But the bang we heard uh, was very dreadful and the windows shattered and we all had to run in the corridor remembering the two-wall rule that every child of uh, any age in our life knows that. If you hear that, you need to hide behind two walls at least, hoping that they will save you. And last week we had had the bombing at our bridge was destroyed eventually because it's a strategic bridge. So we got the uh, missile attacks in Cherkasy, alone in Kremenchuk, where the shopping center, where with 1,000 people there got uh, shot uh, by the missiles. And that's it. That's very hard for us. Uh, so you, the you have a map here. Uh, it's a, a brief video of actual air raids and where missiles are landing in Ukraine. And... And so that's the reality of your day. I mean, that's what you hear. That's what you listen to. Yeah. Though we are in a relatively quiet 
place in, in Ukraine, in Cherkasy, we hear air raid sirens from two, three, four, five, sometimes six times a day. And I, on my app, I have an, on my telephone, I have an app and it's muted now, but I can, uh, I know where the siren goes on in my home city. And the, uh, this sound you hear and your, your hands began shaking because you that's you you know that if the missile was launched it eventually uh, aims at something the target there's it there is a target and it means that new people lots of civilians could be killed and this for us for christians this is then immediate action to pray to pray that god would cover the people and protect the civilians the peaceful people and the soldiers and and those who uh, shouldn't suffer after all. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, last night I was uh, sitting out at our lake here on Skogman and that and our neighbors around us were already celebrating the 4th of July, shooting off all kinds of fireworks and that. And we had visited earlier in the week. And so last night I was thinking of Julie and I'm like, I wonder what she's thinking when she hears all these fireworks going off. You know, to us, it's normal, these boom, boom, booms, and we don't think anything of it. We're like, oh, yeah, 4th of July, no big deal. But when you first started hearing fireworks go off in that, what was your thought? I I ran to the window. That was my first reaction. Like, what happened? What's that? Is it a hunting season? Somebody's shooting? Somebody or what? Because they, when you have individuals, you don't actually see if that's a fireworks, happy thing or a sad thing. And the same happened to me on the second night when I came here to Minnesota. I stayed with my friends in Rush City and they have a um, siren, weather siren, uh, announcing the weather. And that was the second night, six o'clock in the morning. And I woke up to that siren and I had a moment until I realized that I'm, well, I'm not in Ukraine. And that's scary because emotionally we have uh, become very sensitive. Sensitive. Yeah, sensitive to that, that sound, right? And so over the next two nights, it's going to be honestly, it's going to be crazy. Oh, no, I know right? that that's happy fireworks. <laughs> yeah, at but least. It's, it's like all kinds of sounds, all kinds of sounds. But she shared with me, even just in, in Rush City, she was uh, staying by the, the airport there. And even just seeing, hearing planes overhead uh, put her into, you know, panic. Because, again, you see planes in Ukraine, it means you're getting bombed. Yeah, we would lift our heads up every time the plane would be there in Ukraine. And d- during the first days when we came here, like, planes? Okay. We're fine. We're safe. Right. But just the, the reality, right? And none of us in the room can fully understand the reality. And the reality of knowing that your, your freedom is being stripped away and potentially is, is going to be lost. And so what are the emotions just walking through that reality that you, you may be without a country? Well... We try to not think about that, that we will never lose Ukraine because uh, Ukrainians, it's a nation, that's a free-loving nation, and we have our identity and we are a freedom-loving nation. And by the way, the word freedom is uh, engraved in our um, trident. Trident, that's the name of our coat of arms, and here it is. Can you help me, please? This is the shape of a trident. Looks like a fork, right? But there are four letters here, which means freedom. And for us, 
being a free country, that's a very important thing. And our prayer is that we would uh, stand firm, we would survive, and we do whatever we can. We work for the victory, let's say. We work so that there would not, not just peace, but the victory. That's more important for all the Ukrainians. And uh, on these PowerPoints, uh, there's, there are slides, and I want to show what we Ukrainians have been doing and have been going through these days. Um, um, well, the number three, slide number three, there are photographs of what uh, what is Ukraine look, looks like. We are like a beehive. Everybody is doing something. Or maybe not a beehive, but a work center's workshop where everybody does a, a little thing for the victory. Uh, we have many volunteers who can meet and send these jars of meat, uh, cans of meat to the front line, to the soldiers. We also have vans and people who own vans, they donate them or use them to bring humanitarian aid to the eastern part of Ukraine and to the south of Ukraine where the, the, the these the areas are occupied and the people there, they are being starved because they do not have access to food. And these uh, volunteers who try to sneak their ways to bring food and medicine that they need are doing miracles and they come they come back with volunteers if they're able to uh, escape because right now uh, the territory is blocked. Uh, we also have uh, been making camouflage nets and even older ladies that would come to resource centers, to community buildings, and they would have their scissors with them and old clothes, rags, uh, basically cutting them in pieces so that younger people, those who can work with hands, they would make camouflage net, nets and then these nets would be sent to the front, to the soldiers. Uh, the next slide shows the, the, some photographs that the people that uh, I've known uh, personally and the thing that we've done with my husband. Now you need to understand and that we are teachers, and um, I'm a teacher, I'm not a certified volunteer. But when the war started, uh, for two weeks, we were kind of uh, under the depression with my husband. We didn't know what to do. And then we got a call from, um, she became a friend of mine, but she's a gal, 17-year-old from California, a student whom I came across uh, through my school, uh, one of the school project. And she said, I want to do something for Ukraine. And I said, okay, thank you. What can you, a gal, 17-year-old, do something for, for our country? I want to send stuff to Ukraine. I said, no, there is no way you can send anything here. She says, okay, let me st start a fundraiser. And she opened a GoFundMe uh, in the internet and she was able to raise money. And she was sending to me a teacher in Ukraine. And I looked at my, she was willing to send it. And I looked at my husband say, said, okay, Bogdan, uh, are we in a team? Do you, will you help us? And he said, well, that's an adventure. I've never been a volunteer, but let's do it. So that's what we did. Uh, from the 6th or 7th of March, we've been uh, in this ministry, uh, basically being an instrument of God's love. We are kind of tools, instruments. We have nothing. We are just uh, usually people, just these common people, but we were helping uh, the refugees, internally displaced people who would come to Cherkasy. Now we have, statistically, we have about 20 
thousand uh, internally displaced people in Cherkasy only. Many of them have lost their homes and they would never be able to come back because there is no uh, home for them uh, because the cities uh, were demolished. And we, ha we have had about 200 refugees who have uh, come to us and we have helped them in this or that way. Uh, right now, uh, on the premises of the Hope Now Center, it's basically a big house that in the past was used for foster families in one, by one of, one of the mission, but it was empty for a lot of time. And then we converted it into the refugee home and we called it Hope Now Refugee Center. And there are 35 refugees uh, right now, mainly from east and south of Ukraine who are living there. And uh, they don't have anywhere to go back. They, they are waiting till the war is finished and they are waiting for the... Uh, victory for the same victory. So this reality that, you know, a variety of these people as well have had to bury family. You know, some have buried their kids right at the playground where they died. They have nothing. So it would be very similar to us saying today, every one of us here are going to leave and all we have is what we brought here. That's it. Our homes are gone, our cars are gone, our resources is gone, and we have nothing. And so we are going to leave here and we are going to find some mode of transportation somewhere we are going to go, relatives somewhere else in the world, potentially. And that's, it's, it's hard to even fathom, isn't it? I mean, it's like hard, hard even to get your head around, but it's the, the reality of what is happening in Ukraine right now because their freedom has been taken, a portion of it, and is continually threatened like every mile every day as Russia continues to invade there. And so that is reality of it. And so, Julia, you and your husband in that volunteer status piece uh, with many others just trying to provide basically daily bread, literally, for refugees, for soldiers, for police, uh, rescue uh, people. Yeah, and I want to ask you to and challenge you to pray, pray for our ministry because uh, the fund has a tendency to finish and uh, we have enough funds to uh, last for another month, maybe six weeks, just buying food for now. We've done lots of good things and we're able to uh, purchase washing machines and have helped with medicine and have sent med boxes with medicine to the front line. But now we have those 35 people who who need food. This is what they need. They don't ask for any treasures, uh, but some basic thing, things to survive. And my husband, that's what he does now. Every Friday and Saturday, he does the shopping. He received the shopping list of sometimes 25 through 35 items to, bu be, to buy. And this is flour, potatoes, toilet paper, uh, carrots, vegetables, and also meat, sausage. So he does shopping and he needs two days to do shopping. You know why? It's not because we don't have supermarkets. Oh, we do. We have supermarkets. They're not as full as they used to be. But the 
First, air raid siren. If the, you hear an air raid siren, the shopping markets are closed and you are to stand at the bus uh, somewhere, bus stop or in a car park, in a car waiting for it, for the air raid siren to finish actually. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing that some things can be bought only in this supermarket because it's very good price there. Some there. So it's going back and forth all the time. And that's his ministry. That's what he is doing right now. And we're happy that there are uh, some people, uh, people like you, those who help others. And for us, that's a new page in our life. Uh, we understood with my husband that we were needed at that time, that God wanted us to stay in Ukraine there on our spot and to spot and to do that because when you help others you help yourself by just doing what God wants from you and anyway you don't notice how miserable you are so it's easier when you help other people so that's my prayer for you and I encourage you to pray for us and also to uh, to pray for Ukrainians because economically Ukraine you know understand probably that Ukraine is going uh, down economically and on TV we hear this phrase like um, be strong uh, stay together be united um, because winter is coming uh, there'll be a tough uh, season and uh, you need to tighten your belts well, and you need to be an optimist to hear that and to still smile because if you were a pessimist, you'll probably tighten your belt around your neck. And us, we stand firm and Ukrainians have never been as united as they are now because we are united together to fight against the evil that wants to conquer our country. And we don't want that. And we will do anything we can to, uh, to work for the freedom of our people and to work for the victory that, that we all have. Just do it. So that's the motto that you probably know from where it is. And uh, just do it. That's what I told my husband. Just do it. And for him, that's a big relief to know that we were able to go out of the country just for the summer, for this short of period of time. Uh, being a teacher, I have holidays and my, my son has a holidays to vacation and that, that's great. And um, what's the life is there They're he in Ukraine? They're hearing air raid sirens. Uh, the prices, their prices went up. Uh, for how much is the price for gas here? 390, 4, 490, 470? Yeah. Okay, it's $8 a gallon in Ukraine. With the salaries for, a salary would be $200 a month, maybe $300 a month if you're lucky. 70% uh, of them, if, of that money, you need to pay for gas and facilities and electricity bills. And don't ask how we survive. We survive somehow. The salary, it went down 15% for me. For some months, 30%. But we will survive. Everything is going to be great because we have got a Heavenly Father who is taking care of our needs. And I want to ask you to pray. To pray for the soldiers, those who are at the front line. And they, for, for the weapons they have, for enough weapons they have, for enough resources they would have to to protect the country and also pray for their families, for their children, for their wives who prayfully support them. Also pray for volunteers, those who do 
miracles, uh, whether they're in the buses, uh, driving humanitarian aid or uh, evacuating people, or for those like us working where we are with internal displaced people. Pray for older people who have uh, who are becoming poorer and poorer, more poor, and uh, that's the reality. But let me finish on the bright note. Uh, Ukraine is united, and we believe that God um, has been good to us, and God will never give you more than you can bear, right? And God has used this opportunity for us to witness about His love. One thing, uh, the refugees, those who we are helping, they uh, become coming to the church. They have never been to the church before. They are not Christians, but seeing what we do, what the church people does, they say, why are you doing this? Why do you give us this money? And they cry. And they are so humbled at whatever the, the acts of love they receive from us. And this is the time when we share the good news with them. And that's very important for all of us Christians to use this opportunity. Maybe God allowed this for our country, this lack of freedom and uh, disaster and uh, war to use it for his glory. Maybe so. Well, hey, Julia, thank you so much for sharing from your heart, obviously, your personal experience, uh, what the reality is in, in your world, in your life, in your country, uh, for your husband right now, what you're going to be going back to in August uh, again. And, uh, and so thank you for being vulnerable here and sharing your, your story. Uh, and we, we hope you. that you uh, are refreshed during this time, uh, loved very well. And so thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your prayers. Keep praying. We need it. Thank you. Pretty sobering, right? You know, we celebrate this 4th of July weekend and we hit the lakes. We go up to the cabin. We go out to eat. We have friends and family in town at our homes we say, hey, boy, we got an extra day. We're going to get things done around the house. We're going to take a long nap. And oftentimes on this weekend, we don't recognize or pause and give thanks for our freedom. And so to hear from Julie and the reality that freedom can be taken, freedom can be stripped of us. Back in 17. 75 to 1783 marked the years of the Revolutionary War. While it would be hard to point to any one given event that singularly started that war or prompted the revolution, there's no doubt that the American view that they were entitled to full democratic rights of Englishmen was at the forefront. And the view that the British felt like the American colonies were there just to be used and to be exploited for their own good and their own purposes caused the Revolutionary War to begin because Americans wanted their freedom. And by war, they received it. So throughout the history of the United States, we have engaged in war for the mere fact of providing freedom and maintaining freedom for ourselves, 
but also providing and maintaining freedom for other countries. And so that's why we celebrate July 4th. I mean, we have walked through the Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, Operation Desert Storm, Operation Enduring Freedom, Iraqi Freedom, and so on. With the whole idea of continually protecting our freedom so that we can go about our 4th of July weekend and enjoy it. But as we celebrate this significant date, there's another freedom we can celebrate, and I want to remind you of this day. And that is our freedom from the penalty of sin because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages or the payment of our sin is death meaning eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life, meaning a relationship with God forever, is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, prior to each of us acknowledging Jesus as our Savior and Lord and asking for the forgiveness of our sin, our wrongdoing, we lived under the rule or the captivity of Satan and his lifestyle of sin. A challenge that comes along with our American freedom is the idea that we can do whatever we want. But in doing whatever we want, we become vulnerable to be captives or slaves of sin captive to lying so we always get our way, captive to foul language, lust, envy, captive to, hey, I'm going to cut this corner and I'm going to cut that corner, captive to gossip or addictions, pick your choice, right? Captive to being selfish or self-centered, captive to being unkind because I have a right to be unkind, say what I want, captive to adultery, you name it, right? Thomas Huxley a biologist in the 1800s, stated at an address on university education. He said this, a man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do as he likes. Did you get that? A man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do as he likes. Because he understood that If we have this idea that, hey, I can do whatever I want, that it can lead to activities and thoughts, behaviors that then hold us captive, rule over us. So as Great Britain exploited Americans under their rule, as Russia is exploiting Ukraine under its continual advancements and rule, Satan exploited us because we were under his rule. Yet we read throughout the Bible that God sent his son to go to war on our behalf. So as we celebrate this American freedom this weekend, 
I want to remind us as well to celebrate our Christ-centered freedom. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1.7. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, Jesus, and forgave our sins. God purchased our freedom through his son's blood so that we could be free from our sins, so that we could now have relationship with him in this life and for eternity. So just as many Americans have given their lives, their blood to purchase our freedom and protect it, and many Ukrainians today doing the same for their country to hold on to and to protect what freedom they have left. So Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin debt, to set us free, and to protect our freedom. Jesus stated in John 8, 36, so if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And so live in that freedom. Don't let sin take you captive again because Jesus has set you free to do the next right thing. And so let us not go from here and let sin be captive in our lives. Own us because in Christ we are free. And so today, along with Julia, we mourn I mean, it's hard to sit here in our freedom and to recognize that she, along with her fellow Ukrainians, have lost so much and even lives. And they're losing more and more every day, but they're hoping to win. And we pray for that. Today, we hopefully acknowledge that there have been men and women, families that have served us over many years so that we can be a free people and that there are men and women, families serving us like right now so that we can go about our weekend and celebrate our freedom and that we might be reminded as well that ultimately we have freedom in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord from the sin of this world and that we do not have to be held captive, but that we can walk in freedom with our Savior, Jesus, for this life and for eternity. And so let's be a people who are grateful. Let's be a people who are also mindful of what's going around us in the rest of the world and uphold Julia and her family uphold the people of Ukraine in prayer and in other ways that we can share resource. And let's walk through our weekend with sober minds and recognizing all that we have been given and the freedoms that we have. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the freedom that you have provided us. 
and that we can come and go and we can worship you, and that we can enjoy our weekend. But yet we pause and we recognize that that is not the case for everyone else in the world, and especially right now in Ukraine. And so we ask that you would provide their daily bread needs, the literal bread that they need, the weapons they need, the protection they need. And Lord, I pray that you would bring victory to the people of Ukraine. I pray that Russia would go home, that it would be done. And Lord, that you would provide, provide them freedom that we so enjoy here. And Lord God, we pray as well for Isani County and beyond that you would provide them freedom in Jesus from their sin and that they would repent and confess and recognize that they do not have to be captive to their sin. And so we ask all this in the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, amen.